Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 146 of the podcast. It's the 17th of October, 2018, as I record this intro. This week on the podcast, I speak with Sue Patterson, a longtime unschooling mom with three now adult children. You may know Sue through her wonderful unschooling mom to mom website and Facebook group. I'm really excited that she's back on the podcast, and in this episode, we have a great time tackling some of the common questions people ask when they are first exploring unschooling. As a personal update, I'm looking out the window right now, and it's snowing. It's not accumulating, but it's definitely snowing. I am not a big fan of the cold, but I'm also not a big fan of wishing away the next six months of the year. So today, I've been purposefully thinking about the things I appreciate about the coming winter season, say like fires in the wood stove, curling up in blankets, how much brighter, albeit longer, the nights are with the moonlight reflecting off the snow. It's my favorite time of the year to enjoy our hot tub. That's such a nicer lens through which to see my days. And it also means it's time to bring up the heavier coats and make sure the hats and mitts are all at the ready. This week, I also started listening to a few episodes of Brooke Castillo's podcast, The Life Coach School Podcast. So no, I'm not going to start coaching. My love is for writing and publishing. And I can't quite remember the thread of connections that led me there, but I'm fascinated that just a few episodes in, she's talked about quite a few of the same paradigm shifts that we talk about with unschooling. Again, I'm struck that these paradigm shifts are really about living engaged and aware lives, about being human, and that we can discover these things through the lens of whatever passion we choose to embrace. It just happens to be that for us here, our passion is unschooling and parenting. As a community update, I want to thank everyone who has chosen to support my unschooling work like this podcast and my website through Patreon. I deeply, truly appreciate all my patrons. Their generous support is vital to helping me freely share information and inspiration with anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. Now let's get to my conversation with Sue. Welcome, I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Sue Patterson. Hi, Sue. Hey, Hey. (laughs) if you don't know, Sue is a longtime unschooling mom with three now adult children. She continues to encourage and support unschooling parents through the wonderful unschooling mom to mom website and Facebook group and page. (laughs) 
And I am very excited to chat with her today. And to get us started, Sue, can you share with us a bit about you and your family? Sure. Um, we started homeschooling back in 1996. <laughs> so it was a long time ago. Things were different then. We were just talking about how the internet was so different. You know, you could go start a load of laundry as you were waiting for it all to get, get hooked up. And now we can just fly through and, and get answers to our questions and meet people. And that's so cool. Um, so I have these three kids and they're grown now. They're 24, 27 and 29. And they're one's married. One has a kid. One's getting married at the end of this month. She's having a Halloween wedding. I love that. <laughs> It's so funny. It's so her. It's always been her favorite holiday. So I'm excited that we get to do this with her. And so that's happening at the end of the month. And um, my husband's retired. We were in the military. So we moved around. And, you know, we had just been a regular suburban family that was on that conveyor belt, you know, where you're not really even thinking about it. Of course, you send the kids to school. And of course you work, and of course you do these things, and um, and then suddenly it wasn't working that great. <laughs> it was you know, this little happy-go-lucky learner was like bored and in trouble, and um, and they were saying he needed medication so that he could read in unison off the chalkboard, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> so I started thinking about it, and then we we shifted gears, but um, and. It, it's just, you know, we didn't know we were going to be on this great adventure. We had no idea what we were stepping into. <laughs> and we loved it. You know, each day we were kind of like, well, I don't know. I don't know if we'll keep doing this. I don't know. It's kind of unschooling-ish. And everybody's like, it's very unschooling-ish. <laughs> and, um, and then the next thing you know, we're not going back. That's really cool. I love the way you called it an adventure. That was something we talked about. Like we kind of wake up in the morning and go, what, what kind of adventure are we going to go on today? Or, you know, it it wasn't go as in literally going out all the time, but it was every day was still like, like an adventure. So I really, I love that, that approach, but that is Yeah, go ahead. That whole idea of like charting your own course, you know, kind of like your book where you're your hero's journey. It's, you know, you're, you're, it is your adventure every single day, no matter what you're doing. So that's kind of cool. I love that. (laughs) So can you go into a little bit about how you actually discovered unschooling and what your family's move to unschooling looked like? Yeah. Um, So when we started Suburbia... (laughs) I was picking the brains of people, trying to figure out what to do. I was only around religious homeschoolers. Um, The internet wasn't really available to me yet. And um, so in my mind, I thought creative, curiosity, exploring. And I really kind of still thought in subjects. I thought... a a creative way to explore geography or a creative way to do English or stuff like that. I was still very self-driven. And um, so then I found these catalogs because back then that was what you did. You rounded up the catalogs, you know, you go to a mom's night and you'd get catalogs and look through the stuff. And I was always attracted to like the 
the genius tribe and they would have all these cool microscopy dissecty things and um and you know it was really interesting like that but and we moved we moved to alaska when we first started and so i'm got my catalogs in tow and, <laughs> and i'm going through it and we decide to get together with a few other families and we're doing these moms night and who is at my um monthly moms night but helen hegner Oh. lived not very far from me and she was the editor of home education magazine for a long time and um she would talk a little bit i'm not a lot she's really quiet and she but really strongly opinionated <laughs> and i just loved her because she was just so confident and she had these four kids and they were, all they did was snowboard all day long. And I was like, you're okay with that? <laughs> She's like, beyond okay. And, <laughs> and, and so I would like, then I was in the mood of, uh, the mode of picking her brain. And so um, I read Mary Griffith's book that was the homeschooling handbook. And that's where the first time I ever saw the word unschooling. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. That's what I'm trying to create. I got to undo some of this stuff in my head because it doesn't matter. That was Helen's voice saying, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, and then Mary came out with the unschooling handbook. And I'm like, all right then. Yeah. And so the moms in our group, um, we created a little book club, and so we looked at different things. We looked at the unschooling handbook. We looked at a, um, oh, what is that for the children's sake? Is that Susanna? No, that wasn't Susanna. That was, I don't know who it was. It was all we'll the old it. books. <laughs> yeah, and, um, you know, and we were like, no, I think this is the way. And, and really what was the deal back then is we didn't really care what, it, what way it was. You know, we were like, okay, we want to do more stuff with our kids. We wanted to just love their life. We don't believe that the subjects really matter because in real life they don't. It's all intertwined and, and nobody says, stop, we're done with art. Now it's history. Nobody does that in real life. And so why would we do it there? And, and I think it helped that my husband was like the quintessential unschooler. You know, everywhere we went, he would dive into whatever it was. Oh. So we live in Alaska. He's going to the fire station and picking the brains of the guys on how they unload their hose and make an ice skating rink. And next thing you know, he's bought a giant squeegee and he's watering the backyard and it's freezing outside and he's making an ice rink in our backyard. Wow. And, uh, and so then we were in California, and they and we're near um, the Davis Veterinary School had a horse ranch, and we were near that. So he's over there with Alyssa, and they're picking their brains. And can we help feed? And can we do this? And next thing you know, they're watching babies being born and learning how all of that works. And everywhere we went, now it's astrophotography because that's <laughs> his new thing. <laughs> So, so we had this like living, breathing example next to us that he wasn't giving himself a quiz on Friday to check the vocabulary. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we just lived and then we realized this is the way. 
and um, and 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 as they were teenagers, I think I had a little more nervousness because I'm like, really? I mean, am I like gonna screw them up? And and now I am so excited to be able to tell people. All those times that I worried, all those panicky moments that I threw a key to workbook at him and said, just do a page, <laughs> was stupid and a waste of time. And it didn't stick in their brain. And all it did was make them look at me like I was a crazy woman. Certainly not someone they wanted to have a lifetime relationship with. And so I, you know, I would recommend don't do that. <laughs> don't bother and it'll all be fine because the more they dive into the things that they love the more they learn and one thing leads to another it's shocking how that happens <laughs> it's shocking <laughs> but it does I love how focused you were on those those teen years because you know you can tell that 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 was an important time for you you know uh, asking those questions figuring that out because you know that led you to doing your homeschooling teen survey right and and the book you've got out about homeschooling teens because there are there there are different questions even if you've been even if you've been unschooling for a while for a few years when your first child hits their teens there's new things that come up right because there's new kind of societal expectations around it that we've absorbed growing up we haven't had to really question or talk about because our kids haven't hit that age yet right and um you and i did a podcast episode a couple of years ago now one of the very first ones of the podcast <laughs> where we talked about homeschooling teens so i will put the link in the show notes if anyone's okay interested yeah. yeah in in following up with that but yeah that's that's really cool i love that you you took that you know stress and your experience and and you know kind of right. dove into that I looked around and there really wasn't a lot out there mm -hmm. for parents to reassure them and you know we could see it in our support groups because we moved you know so we could see you know we had this interesting opportunity to see multiple places to know that this isn't just this one location this happened in five different places that everybody's gung-ho when their little boys are eight but when their little boys hit 12 then we have this shift and where are all the big kids where yeah. are they going and it's because for some reason we're as a society we're okay with letting the little kids play but Letting the big kids play? I don't know. How am I going to support themselves? <laughs> you know, we get all those questions. Yeah. And we, what am I, am I going to close doors for them? Are they going to hate me and be mad at me because I didn't make them? You got to work through it. Yeah. Dude, which that's a that's a great lead into our topic <laughs> this week. Yes. We wanted to dive into some of the common questions that people ask when they first um, start exploring unschooling. I know uh, on the podcast, we dive a lot into people through their journey and and the things that um, the experiences they've gone through and what they've learned through it. But you spend a lot of time helping newer people as they first hear about unschooling and, and start asking questions. So I thought it would be really fun to dive into some of those. So the first one we're going to tackle is, isn't this just for religious people or super crunchy people? 
Because I guess that's kind of the stereotype. <laughs> it is the stereo. It's the stereotype for homeschoolers, but the stereotype for unschoolers is really just the crunchy side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just yeah. Don't see a ton of religious homeschoolers um, choosing unschooling. It's a little too frivolous. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I mean, that's that's not even true because we <laughs> we're Episcopalian, <laughs> so it's not like we're not religious. It's just not the reason, you know. And I think that's that, that's the perfect point. Yes, because I mean, I do know a lot who who value their religion, but it's not. Um, they don't. The they also they don't impose it, and it's not the reason that that they're choosing this lifestyle. It's a part of the lifestyle, but it's not the reason and it's not an right. imposition kind of, they, they live right. it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that a lot of people are really unclear on that. <laughs> and so they think, oh, well, you know, unschoolers hate religion. And that yeah. is not true either. You know, that's, that isn't, it's just exactly what you're saying. You know, they, we're, we're big on choice and we're big on, um, letting people find their way and ask their questions and get their answers and recognize that where you are today may not be where you are. You know, Katie sang in the choir at the Episcopal church and she's having Gandalf marry her in a <laughs> Halloween wedding. <laughs> Change. And Michael, who had been a druid through his teen years and he's Catholic now. And, you know, it, things change. Things happen. And that's what happens when you talk to kids about being free to make the changes that you want to make. And, you know, no, it's not a one, one side or another. And I think that as unschooling grows across the world, really, um, it becomes more and more clear that it's your neighbor it's your cousin, it's your sister's kids. It's more firsthand knowledge. It was a lot easier to categorize people as ultra-religious or crunchy granola in the 80s when you didn't really know very many. And now people... And those were, the, those were the things that made the news stories, right? Because they were looking for an angle, something to catch attention. So those were the right. kind of news stories that were out there. So that was really people's only experience, like you said before. But now, as it's as it's spreading, yeah, growing it's in popularity, economic. I mean, it's every race, it's every family combination, it's every possibility out there. It's simply a parent that wants something better for their kids, a parent that's willing to try some unconventional things, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a parent that's flexible enough to hear the educational research and apply it and not be afraid of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Because the schools, you know, they've got all that research. They just can't make it happen because they got 30 kids. They got to move from point A to point B. You've got a couple. They've, and yeah, and, and they've got a large system, a humongous system right. within which they have and, to function. And a tax that makes them have to show accountability, which makes them have to, imply that learning happens every single day on this consecutive, exactly the same learning, you know, linear path. It doesn't work like that. You know, mm -hmm. it's peaks and valleys, and mm -hmm. that's real life. Mm -hmm. They can't do that. <laughs> but we can. 
Yeah. (laughs) That question, we were kind of all over the place. (laughs) Well, and you know what? This next question can kind of, you know, you can see it coming out of that first one. So this one is, am I going to make my kid weird? You know, they're they're not going to be the same, have the same. So the first part of that question has to do with, and it probably isn't the first part, but the underlying part is the parental concern for popularity. Is the parental over emphasis of schooly kind of things, you know? So. Not fitting in. Of fitting in, of conforming, of being able to. So, so we go to the far end of that and we say, yeah, but he has to be able to adapt. Okay. When you're in the world, you have to adapt. If you drive on a road, you have to merge. You know, you have to adapt. And that's what living in the real world is about. Practicing learning how to live in a school world isn't really going to help you for the real world. You know, if somebody bullies you and does something you can file charges in the real world (laughs) you can't do that in school and you know you just have to hope that the grown-ups are on your side (laughs) that's not how it works and so I think am I going to make my kid weird first of all if your kid is already weird I mean let's just be real some kids aren't the norm so they have like a total focus on something else or they don't catch social nuances or they struggle in situ in, in um, situations like that in conversations, putting them in a school is like the worst thing you can do to them because then they're going to be kind of crushed. You know, they're going to be told constantly that they're not right when maybe they were just developing at a later rate or maybe they're, they're not an extrovert. Maybe they're an introvert. Introvert is seen as such a terrible thing in a school. And yet, in real life, introverts do fantastic things. But you don't get to win the popularity contest as an introvert. And so there's all this kind of weird prioritization that happens in school. And so your kids that you're worried about weirdness, the other thing... <laughs> When this question actually came up and my kids were younger, Michael was in the Boy Scouts. And I remember thinking, wow, homeschoolers do not have a corner on the market for weirdness. (laughs) Because this troop is full of a lot of weird kids. And those were all public school kids. Weird kids are everywhere. It's just fine. What's cool about it is then they get to actually embrace it and embrace and not feel like they have to hide it or feel like they have to conform or feel like they have to um, change who they are to be accepted because that does all kinds of weird stuff to our heads, you know. People have years of therapy for that kind of a thing. And so the kids can unfold at the rate they need to unfold at and with the strengths that they have and not have them. um, So will they be weird? A little because they won't have the shared experiences, even if they're the most gregarious, sociable kind of unschooler, they still 
have a couple of things they don't get. They don't get about, you know, some of the bad things that happen in school. Some of the things about how how do you sh how do you deal with people saying bad things to you and not internalize it, you know, little things like that. But but I don't think it's anything to worry about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's what do you it's it's all kind of in that definition of of weird, right? Because when they're asking a question like that, you you can when you're speaking with them, you can kind of pull out whether they're worried about fitting in, and then you can go with you know talk about how you're with unschooling. You know, you're you're living in the real world now, and you're engaging with with the real world. You know, it's right. not taking that little detour into school for those 10, 12 years or whatever, and then coming back, it's, you know, staying and living in this real world. And then, and but then if they're worried about weird, as you were talking about, um, you know, with social um, challenges or whatever, introvert, um, it's like, you know, is that really weird? Is that, you know, there's a wide range of people you know, of all personality types, all strengths and weaknesses and challenges and everything. And, and are you more thinking that, oh, you know, you need to fit into, or can, is it okay to just be ourselves and to learn how we tick and how we work as an individual and to focus on how, on, on the things that we want to learn. Like if we want to engage in groups, to work with your child and help them figure out a way that it works for them. Because those are the kinds of skills, if they're this person and learning about how as a person they can engage with the world in the ways that they want to, to accomplish the things they want to look at all those wonderful skills that you're helping them develop that they will take with them for their entire life rather than right. trying to fit into and feel bad about um, not being able to fit into that microcosm of school and then having to learn when you get out how to live in the real world, right? Right. And that anxiety that they have because they're not fitting in and they're feeling judged and they yeah. have shame, that anxiety keeps their strengths from growing. It and it, as you said, it takes then, then they have to work through all that once yeah. they're out of it too, right? I have a lot of, I have a coaching practice. I have a lot of clients who have kids that are kind of introverted and they're in the 12 to 14 year old range. And what's been so fabulous to see is that they start as they're like so worried, especially the husbands are worried about, oh, is this a good thing? Or we should be pushing them. We should be doing this. And what's, what happens when they relax and they just love them for who they actually are, the kid relaxes yeah. and the kid is more communicative than they were ever because they feel unconditional. Seen. Yeah, they feel seen and heard and appreciated for who true. they are. That's not over thing. All anybody ever really wants is to feel heard. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. it's really beautiful to be able to see how those kids can leave a system that would have just churned them, you know, and they can develop at the pace they need to develop at. And then, ha and then those parents get to have that relationship with their child and not 
have that feeling that that the the negativity that happens when you're trying to force your kid to do something that isn't really them. That is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, this, right. <laughs> weird. <laughs> this leads really nicely into the next question. How cool is that? So yeah, so now it's like, okay, you know, we're letting them be themselves and develop at their own rate. And, and, you know, that makes sense to me, but am I ruining their future chances of success? Well, Big question. Everyone wants to know. They do ask good questions, don't they? They do, don't they? Absolutely. I remember asking. We got to look at how you define success. You know, are you still stuck in a really mainstream success is college degree and a career that brings in X amount of money? Is that success? Um, Or is success happy? Or is success knowing themselves? Is success, um, you know, success can be defined so many different ways. And so what's cool is to be able to create your own definition of success. Do it with the kids. Talk about what would that, what would it, if you had the perfect adulthood, what would it be like? And, you know, as they are involved in their own interests and pursuing their own curiosities, they might have all kinds of ideas of what success looks like to them. You know, for instance, Katie, my middle child, she always wanted to be an actress from the beginning. And, um, and so that's what she's pursuing. And she is dirt poor. <laughs> you know, she is walking dogs and cleaning houses and doing all the things you can do. And she is my happiest kid, you know, because she's going to auditions and doing little voiceover things and puttering here and doing this. And she's living the life she wants to live. And if I had said, no, this needs to be a, a film degree. So that you, you know, film degree is really all you do is teach at the film school. (laughs) Um, You don't really go out there. And and she may or may not um, become like, okay, is success a movie star actress? Or is success just happily living your life? And, um, And so I don't know. I don't know. And does she have to know at 27? No, she doesn't have to. She can continue to do the things she needs to do, and she's figuring it all out. So, so that looks different. And I can remember when people would say that when my my kids were younger, and I'm like, yeah, but I don't want I want them to be. And that was really something that I had to get through myself. That I had this idea, this story in my head of what I wanted their grown up life to look like. Mm-hmm. They don't need a director. they you know you cannot orchestrate that for them instead you can help them be the most confident and the most knowledgeable about themselves so that they can take the steps they need to take to be who they're supposed to be and how many of us have one job in our 20s something else in our 30s and we have a completely lighter shift you know that's not unusual for people to and how cool we only get one life do as many cool things as you can. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know what the future holds. So, so pursue the things you love. 
find a way. And that's perfectly all right. So now from a, okay, but will unschooling close the doors kind of part of that question? Um, no, it actually opens the doors because they do know who they are. They do know their interests. They know their strengths and they know their weaknesses and they, um, and they tend, as we all do, to go in the direction of our strengths because we like them and we like to succeed. So for instance, my son who um, did not like to write and we started with Calvert and we, you know, we did not write. We, they were not happy. <laughs> so we dropped that program and we, and you know, I'm a writer. So I was really bugged that he wasn't writing until I realized if I force him to write, I'll make him hate it. And that is more heartbreaking to me than having a kid that doesn't write to set, to have a kid that thinks it's a terrible, terrible thing. So he was super into storytelling and I did dictation with him and he, but he didn't write a book report. He didn't write a research paper. He didn't, he wrote thank you notes to grandma. <laughs> and when he was younger, we did it on the computer where you could print it at a really, really low um, print. And then he'd use a felt tip marker and she's like, his penmanship is beautiful. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> And um, so he didn't do any writing. And then he went to community college and he, he, he had a little trouble with a persuasive paper because he was still, um, he'd never written one, you know, and he was still thinking of, um, and I might've said this in the other, in the other video, but he was still, you're talking to somebody. So you see multiple sides to it. Well, that's a big old F as far as, Sweat paper is going. They don't want you to see the other guy's side. So I so I showed him. Okay, intro, three supporting arguments. Stick with one side. Conclusion is like the intro. Throw in a word like incidentally. It'll boost your score a little bit. <laughs> um, get all your periods right. Get all your capital letters right. Don't write words you don't know how to spell. Um, and and then he passed. So he did it, you know, in Texas, the community college, it's so weird because the writing topics are all school related. So his first one was, um, pass or play. It's a thing we have here that if the kid has to have a C average for the week in order to play in the football game at the end of the week or the basketball game, and we're all about sports in Texas. And so, <laughs> Um, pastor play was the deal. And so he had, he's, well, what if it's the only thing he's good at? You know, <laughs> so he was <laughs> both sides of the story and they're like, dude. So his next one, when he came back was school uniforms, pro or con. <laughs> this is a kid that drew Zelda things on his shoes with markers. You know I mean? <laughs> he's not a uniform guy, but he said, you know, I knew three arguments for uniforms, and so I went with it. And, <laughs> and he passed. And the funniest part of all of that, because we didn't do all of those things to prep him, he um, ended up with a degree in journalism, and he was magna cum laude. So he liked it. It wasn't just something that um, – and it, and it was because he didn't have all of that prep that everybody's like, oh, I got to prep him. Oh, I got to prep him. Maybe you shouldn't. And so 
maybe you getting in there and prepping them for stuff is putting obstacles and speed bumps in their road. Don't do that. And so he, um, so having this unschooling life didn't close doors for him. You know, he was able to, he was able to move forward and do really well. So a lot of times people still think that success is about college. Will they not do well in college? They'll do fine. (laughs) (laughs) I love I love, love, love what you said there about, you know, not getting in in front of them, in, you know, trying to prep them, et cetera. You know, to me, that is always such a helpful image because those are my fears about the future that I'm projecting onto them, worries that I have. And and, and so instead of me trying to prepare them ahead of time, I like to think about, giving them the support and the help that they're asking for, right? right? Like you did when he was doing that essay. And you're like, oh, hey, you know, they're looking for this, this, and this. And he was open to hearing that from you, right? He was interested in that. That's when he had the question. That's when we add value. You know, that's when we're being helpful. If we're jumping out ahead and telling them all the things that could go wrong and that we're worried about them stepping in. That's just, that's just presupposing what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. You can ask, you know, maybe they do, maybe they want to prep a bit, you know, but it's always about helping them as they're trying to accomplish their goals, trying to get the places they want to get to and back to their definition of success. That's really what it's about. It's not about our definition of what makes a successful life for them. It's about how they define, how they want to approach their lives and helping them accomplish that. You know, and they think people are just going to want to do nothing. That's not true. Right. You, a couple of years with your unschooling child, you know that they're not just going to be wanting to laze around forever. And they may have really immature ideas of what they want to do. That's okay. That's how you get to the more mature ideas. <laughs> yeah. If you say, oh, you could never make a living at that, then they're going to just dig in their heels and not listen to you, number one, which is never what we're wanting. And number two, they're they're thinking, well, why not? And maybe I can. And they may even stay in it longer than they would have. Because now it's an, I don't, I don't want to prove her right. You've made it about you instead of about their choice. Yeah. Every time you make it a power struggle, you may win the battle, but you won't win the war. You know. Because they'll be stepping away where you have less power. And then until they can make the choice and then they're going to want to explore it and, and know how it works out. Yeah. And how much better for them to be able where you're their safety net right there with them helping them and not them having to explore it at 25 where they're like well gosh you know now you know there's just so many other things going on then that you can you don't have to do that so so no you're not closing doors and then and and by and the other thing that I was thinking and I there used to be this article and I wish I could find it and it has to do with like um, redfish and bluefish in the ocean, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and it has to do with being going the way everybody else is going versus going your own way. 
And one of the things that's really becoming clear in college admission process is that um, those kids that have had full, rich, confidence-building lives, they stand out in the admission process from those kids that have the exact same cookie-cutter kind of high school experience. They're two, you know, foreign languages, and they're one this and they're one. Okay, I don't think what we're seeing now is that admission processes are caring less about that and more about the kid who is pursuing something that they love. And when they do that, they've demonstrated that this is somebody that the college wants because they already know they're interested in it, as opposed to the kid that (coughs) all through high school, they said, oh, I want to be a marine biologist. And they didn't live near the beach, and they didn't know what that meant. And then they went to college, and they – signed up for all their marine biology courses only to discover that it's a whole lot of details and note-taking and tiny little, and they thought they were going to be swimming with dolphins. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, better to have had a teen experience where you go do some stuff at SeaWorld or wherever, you know, and you can see what does a real marine biologist do versus an animal treat. And so, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think I think what they uh, one of the things they appreciate is is the engagement of of somebody who who shows that they're already out and engaging with their interests and and know themselves and are are choosing this versus following just you know kind of the yeah I was gonna well, say conveyor the- belt but that sounds so negative but you know just the typical path of expectation <laughs> I know you don't want. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, like when when Alyssa took a year and a half and went to high school, one of my kids, and she said all they cared about was what college you were going to get into, what degree you were going to have. And and that's why I have that marine biology story. That's another one of our our people. And they they thought that's what they – they had no idea – no idea what that was, but that sure got the approval of the counselors. That sounds great. Yes, do that. And the kid didn't have the faintest idea what marine biology was all about. So, yeah. because they're just trying to do more school, you know, do more school, do more school, because that's what school encourages you to do more school. Yeah, <laughs> and then when I'm doing school, come back and teach school. Yeah. So, you know, it is a conveyor belt, Pam. Don't okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a loop. <laughs> okay, next question. Oh, so, so now, ah, I love the way this goes. So, you know, um, we're going to stay home with our kids. And, you know, we're going through how they're defining success. And now we're like, we're getting close to choosing, you know, to move in this direction. But what if we get on each other's nerves spending all this time together? Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and that's like reinforced every year in August, right? When everybody says, oh, I can't wait for the kids. Did you survive summer? I'm like, gone. And, <laughs> and, you know, it's such an anti-child position. And it's this kind of a bonding thing among parents, which is unfortunate. So I think that if, if you're having a lot of that kind of thought, 
it is best to really look at it. Look at why are you having a hard time with your kid? What's going on? What That might be first and foremost the thing to pay attention to. More than when the library time is or the park day, um, think about having um, a better relationship with them. And because the unschooling, you know, a lot of times people just think unschooling is just a homeschooling method. You know, we'll do unschooling. And, but in fact, it's this whole way of interacting with each other in a family. And it gives you this opportunity to have such a different life. And so I think that if you had a hard time with your kids and they were in school and summer was rough for you, <laughs> um, I think you have to realize that that's because you're on somebody else's timetable. You're trying to squeeze everything in and you've been deputized to make sure that they do their stuff. And it is not fun. They can't make them do it at school and you can't make them do it at home. I mean, you can, but at what price? You know, at what price? Getting on each other's nerves. (laughs) Yeah, getting on each other's nerves, crying through the homework. No. Why would it even be worth it to do that? And so I think that um, when they're when they're off of school and then they have just a little bit of time before dinner and they're trying to play the computer game their friend was talking about and then they've got to get some homework done and they got to get to bed because the bus comes at six thirty. Yeah, everybody's frazzled. So don't look at that time frame as that's what it's going to be that all the time because yeah. it's not going to be that you know because you're not going to have to do all of those things. And for those parents that are like, yeah, but my kid wants to, you know, those parents that have been unschooling a little bit, because I have clients like this, they're like, yeah, but they just want to do stuff all the time. And I'm an introvert. I don't want to go meet new people. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're still dealing with different personalities within a family. My personality may sync better in certain areas with one kid or another kid or different phases or during different. So you look for ways to connect with each of the kids. And when you find this is where we connect, this is what we do. This is how I show them how important they are to me. Because when you're like, uh, it's getting on my nerves. The message is you're not that important. And that's not the message that you want as a parent. That's, that's, you know, when you think about your own parent, your own parents, don't, I mean, some people have horrific experiences. Some people have great experiences. Isn't it great when it's, when you have something that you can look back and say, oh man, they really loved me. And if they didn't show that, don't you want to make darn sure that that doesn't happen in your family? You want to make sure that you can, your kid knows, no. I want you here. <laughs> You're you matter to me, and where where you go is interesting and an adventure. And um, so, I lost my train of thought. Though. <laughs> That's okay. I'm sure it'll come back. But I love I love the point that you know to emphasize that the relationships, like if your kids are in school now or you're, you know, parenting conventionally right now and you're investigating this different way of 
of living together to realize that the relationships that you have now and the way you interact right now um, are not a good indication. It's not taking those like three hours that are separated at a time, you know, and timed when people are under stress and not at their best and, and, and having, you know, 24 of those right sleep time right that's uh, not what you're going to be getting you know uh, to to uh, help you know help them understand that you're going to be developing a different kind of relationship with them you're going to be taking out those kinds of stresses and and really getting to know each other and and live together so yeah letting them know that they're not going to be bringing that relationship into their into these days that I think that's a that's a really big and important piece yeah. that that maybe people might not get at first. And something that you said about the the mainstream way, like I can remember my mom, who was you know I was what they called a latchkey kid. So like I had a key. She went to work. She was the first wave of women that you know went to work, and we were on our own making hamburger helper at night. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, and I remember her saying, I just want so much more for your life. I want you to be so much more than just a mom. And I want you to have a career and, and feel that. And you'd be so good at these things. So she would say those kinds of things. And I remember thinking in the beginning, before I had kids, I was like totally bought into that. Yeah. And then when I had kids and I thought, that isn't really what I want to do. I want to do this other thing with my kids. There's plenty of time for the other stuff. You know, it's only a little window that you're child raising. And so you're just going to take a little, you know, if, if you want to go have a career, she didn't become, do her big career stuff until she was like over 55, you know? So I think that, um, I think there's time to do all of those things. And, but, but the point that I want to make is that, you might be kind of caught up in just a mainstream expectation of, and that you haven't really thought it through on what you want. You're only thinking, this is what society has been telling me to do. And this is what I'm going to do. And what am I, why you want me to step off? Well, look at it. Is it something? Is it, would you prefer to have this really great family life? Because that's a good thing too. And, um, and has a huge ripple effect. So, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting that she, you know, there was a push to, um, and I see that more, especially in the in the mom-to-mom group, that there's a lot of people that are like, well, I have this job, and I do this career, and how can I do both? And, um, and you can. A whole lot of people work and unschool their kids, and they find ways to do it. But... Um, but sometimes they reevaluate it all. Maybe they don't need that boat. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't have to get a new car. Maybe they. Um, maybe they have somebody come and live in the back room. I mean, there's just so many ways you can have money come into your home that doesn't require you leave for eight hours mm-hmm. as a career. And you know, when you start to think outside the box, the box is small the uh, the opportunities outside it oh my gosh <laughs> infinite so there's a lot of ways that you can figure out how to look at things 
from a little bit more unconventional way. Yeah, no, that that's a great point. I mean, I remember when I was making, you know, yeah. having that question, you know, when my kids were in school, but, and I was working and it was, you know, I chose, I eventually chose to leave work and stay home when they were still in school. I had not yet heard of homeschooling yet, uh-huh. you know, because that was something I discovered being home with them and, you know, spending more time with them and having and doing some research and stuff. Right. But anyway, most people know my story. <clears throat> but that that is that was a big part of it at first. You know, I have I'm an engineer. I have I have a good job, you know, and and that looks good. Right. right. This is who I am at, when I go out and introduce myself. You know, this is my job. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like, oh, that people look, look down on saying, yeah, I, I'm a mom and I stay home with my kids. But, you know, that that was part of opening that box and, and realizing what to me was was important and valuable. And 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 also going through the work to figure out how to um budget, how to make that work financially for our family as well. More mm-hmm. thinking outside the box, you know, right. but, and for us, it was a step at a time, a, a baby step and a baby step. And a, Oh, that might work. Let's take another step. Oh, that might work. And then, so what's the next question? That's why I love going through these questions. Cause through each question, it's like, do you think about that? You talk, maybe talk to people, maybe, you know, you listen here, you ask questions of, of you or in, in groups, et cetera. And you find out more information. It's like, Oh, I can probably make that work. And then the next step, right? right. It's, it's a very cool process. Flexible too. You know, it yeah. doesn't have to be, this is how it's going to be forever, but this is going to be okay for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that now. And that's one of the big, you know, de-schooling or through this trip, through this, you know, all these questions as we make this decision, you know, to, to try this out is that is, is you, you learn how things aren't fixed, you know, we're back to that conveyor belt that, that takes you. And, but once you kind of crack open that box for now, you realize that, Oh, I don't have to go back in that with every baby step and every brainstorming outside, you see so much more and you know, Hey, once you start making your own choices, you realize that you can keep making your own choices and you stop judging your choices as wrong. You're making your best choice in that moment. And then you can shift a little bit and shift a little bit as you gain more experience, as you learn new things, as you grow and change and learn, right? It's life. Life is a process. Life is an adventure. That's so new for people because, you know, School does not promote that. Yep. yep. <laughs> School yeah. promotes one right answer. Stick with it. Stay with it. <laughs> and and that's not a happy life because it doesn't really work like that. Mm. And so when you can be like, I love that idea of there's not really a bad answer that that one brought this data in. And then yeah. this one brought this data in, and now I need to pivot a little. And you know, yeah. <laughs> okay. I looked at the the next question and I laughed because here we are. 
fits so nicely. So do we have to commit to unschooling everything right away? Can we get into it slowly and see what happens? What do you say? Well, I think you should never do something that doesn't make sense to you. <laughs> you know, it should always make sense. Don't do it because Pam and I say it's a great idea. Don't do it for that reason. <laughs> That's right. You know? Because if you do it, if you if it doesn't make sense to you and you try to do it, it's really hard to do effectively because you don't understand why you're doing it. And if you don't understand why you're doing it, how are you going to make that choice in the moment? It's not like you need to, you know, it's not about understanding something perfectly before you do. But like I was saying, it's like, huh, that makes sense. I think I can make that work. You don't have to know exactly what it's going to look like, but to understand why that next step? I always say that when I first came to unschooling and I was reading about what other families were doing, experienced families were doing, it's like, oh, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to be doing that. That doesn't make sense to me, you know. Yet, a few months down the road, I was making those exact same choices because now I had learned and understood what was behind it. It's like, oh, of course that's the choice I'm going to make in that situation. But it wasn't until you know, it made sense to me. It doesn't mean that every step that I made was perfect. Of course, right. things things go sideways. Life happens. I make, you know, a choice that doesn't, I'm not going to say it was a wrong choice or a bad choice. It was a choice that I learned something more from and I'm going to make a different choice next time. Right. right. But it's through that experience, right? I'll, I'll shut up now. I know. No, the- I'm so glad because <laughs> your experience is your life experience <laughs> that you're bringing to the table with these other humans that are in your family, in the community you live in, mine is not yours yeah. or anybody else's. So unfortunately, I know we're all wishing we could go to the back of the book and read the answer. <laughs> we could then come back and fill it in. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> you know, there are there's no answer key in the back. <laughs> Someone ripped off the back of the book. <laughs> and, um, because you have to go page by page. You have to live your life day by day. You have to have experience by experience. And then one thing really does lead to another. You really get there. And no, don't don't try to do something just because you want to wear that unschooling badge because it sounds all cool. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> not a good plan (laughs) and if you'll see I mean if that's what you do you'll see I have had a lot of people who have said come back to me and said well I read about unschooling and I listened on the group and I came home and I told my kids no limits no limits to anything and she had five children (laughs) and they were all under nine wow yeah And so by July, she was a nervous wreck. (laughs) And and the kids were like, you said no limits. You said no limits. You know, I don't want to wear clothes to church. I don't want (laughs) to. You know, all that they just tried everything. And then one kid played off the other. And that's the perfect example of why baby steps, you know, step into it. Don't say no limits when you don't really understand what we're talking about when we say no limits, because it really doesn't mean zero limits. 
their real life brings limitations. It's about arbitrary limits and it's about um, looking at the situation and partnering with the people involved and saying, I don't know if we can pull that off. <laughs> I don't know if that's a great idea. Have you considered these things? And they, well, have you considered these? Oh, that's a good point. Okay. And so then it's a negotiated thing. And so it's not about walking in and saying, <laughs> because again, like you were saying, when you haven't thought it through what that really means, you have, it's like you've, it reminds me when my kids were little, we lived in the country and we had this rule that you could climb anything you wanted as long as you could get up there by yourself. Nobody was to put a smaller person up higher than they could get themselves. And it was frustrating for the younger ones. But, but the point being, if you can climb up, you can climb down. <laughs> and but if you, somebody puts you up there you're up there with no foundation you don't know how to get up there and unless they lift you back down you are you stuck know. yeah <laughs> yeah and so it's the same thing about not having a foundation so so what do you do so you read a ton about unschooling you read a ton about de-schooling so that you can start to think about what is making me think these things when this you know when all the, the story in your head is more important than the kids standing in front of you you've got a problem I mean it's not you have a problem it's like it's something to look at it's something to consider and to think about and break apart and that's why I always think you know unschooling success unschooling confidence knowledge and support that's all you need you just need more information and some people to bounce your ideas off of so that you aren't just in a vacuum where you, um, somebody else can look at something and say, have you thought about this? And you're like, ah, that's the key. So, um, which is what we're doing with our kids, right? I mean, we're being that support and that sounding board in conversation right. with them. So right. it's finding that kind of, you know, team to be the sounding board. Like for me at the time, it was email lists and, and forums right. back then, you know, right. where I was seeing those kind of conversations. Even if I wasn't participating, I was seeing other people's conversations and understanding, learning um, until things made sense. So, you know, you can see what people are doing, but... Like you said, it, it becomes chaotic if you just jump there and do that without it making sense, without you understanding why and, and what you're going to be, how you're going to be participating in that moment rather than just saying, okay, this is what we're doing because this is what they do, you know? Yeah. It's, it's I think such recognizing a from a parent standpoint, um, when, when we come to this, to the conversation with our kids about stuff, if our ego is really attached to it, that our ego wants to convince them that our way's right. I've got more life experience. I know more than you. But the truth of the matter is, yes, you have more life experience. But it's their life. They have stuff happening in their head, in their world, that you don't even know about. And so this may be the thing they have to learn the hard way. This may be the thing that they can't use your experience. They can't make that leap. 
And that's okay because that's how they learn. And maybe next time they'll make the leap. Or maybe next time they will find something that you didn't even know they could find. And they found something way better than you would have ever thought of because they're already operating in their world. I know, you know, that was always one of the things that was just so exciting to me is, and, and why, you know, the sense of adventure was always, um, seemed like a good way to describe it because, you know, if I could think of a path forward, but where they went and the ways that they took things widened my world so much. And that was how I learned that you know, my world was small. I didn't really realize that before, you know, I was doing it all and, and, you know, doing the thing and and looking right. But my world was so much smaller. And and it's just so beautiful the way they have opened that up by giving them that, that space, but that support, right? Like, I wouldn't have learned much about it if I just left them off to do whatever, because I wouldn't understand how they got there. I wouldn't understand what they were getting out of it. I wouldn't see the connection with my life. And that's why people say, oh, they're in this room and we're in this. No, that's really not it either. (laughs) You really need to be like communicating more. You know, it's not like, and I've just punted the kid and now they're on their own with their, you know, their their interests and their child driven, whatever. Back to that, yeah, back to that wonderful metaphor you talked about building the foundation, right? I love that. I love that. That's a, and, and this is, uh, you know, in the end, we end up talking about how unschooling is a lifestyle. It's a, it's a way to live your lives. And, and this foundation that you're building is, is for life. It's for your relationships with your kids forever. You know, it's not about just those school years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I think sometimes we get, as parents, we also, you know, we think of, we have a lot of fear. You know, we're afraid they're going to get hurt. We're afraid they're going to make the wrong choice, and then they'll have to backpedal, and it'll be awful. And that's life. You made some crummy decisions in your 20s. I would bet money. <laughs> You're about today because of it even if even if it was a disaster you can relate to people about disasters and you can you have it's just another like thread in your tapestry that you just have there's this really bright colorful part that that was that disaster (laughs) but I mean everybody's tapestry is different and that's what we can't tell them what to thread in theirs Oh, I I love that. I love that. And for me, that's such a huge piece of the, of the journey is understanding the value in all those moments. I love their built their, you know, weaving their own tapestry and you can't make those threads because eventually you discover that you discover the magic in the mess of our, of our days, of our lives. Right. And it may not be for uh, you know for year months years whatever but every every one of those threads make them who they are right and and years later you will see that connection every moment is valuable and you know whether you think it's a a good moment or a bad moment or whatever every moment of our lives is ours and and build our tapestry i love that 
Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, I want to thank you so, so much for taking the time to speak with me today, oh, Sue. You know, so Pam, fun. I can sit and talk with you forever. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it was wonderful. And before we go, where's the best place for people to connect with you online? Um, they can connect with me at my website, suepatterson.com. They can connect with me on Patreon. Um, I have... The- Really, I just got to tell people about this really cool thing. Okay. I'm so excited about it. I've made this monthly unschooling guide because I kind of feel like I'm sitting on all this unschooling information (laughs) and I want to find a way to get it out. (laughs) Not a hoarder. (laughs) And and so what I'm doing is I'm making this monthly guide as just something for um, one of the Patreon levels, $5 a month, that you can get... um, information about how to create an unschooling environment, how to think about your parenting, how to think about unschooling and de-schooling, and ways to look at the kids so that you can bring these things to the front of your mind. And it's not, it's, I think the October one is 17 pages and I'm about (laughs) to post it. And so because um, I'm going to try to do it on the first of each month. So this is just the first one. And it's super I think it's really great. It's just the right amount of information to to help somebody start to build that foundation. Yeah. So I think that um, I think it'd be cool. Yeah. Anyway, so they can they can go to and it's um, Patreon dot com slash unschooling mom to mom. So it's it's at that Very and cool. and then I have a coaching group. I have a small membership group which is nice if you feel isolated. If you feel like, I'd like to talk to somebody more often, but I really don't want to do the coaching thing. And um, it's a, we do a weekly call with a group, and I, um, it's just a fabulous group of really supportive, unschooling moms who are helping each other. You know, we've got people with little kids and big kids, and everybody's in there together giving ideas and suggestions and um, and we've got a guest speaker coming next week and lots of cool stuff. And you get the monthly guide for free in that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's it's fun. I'm just trying, you know, the kids are grown now, so I'm just trying to figure out all the ways to get this information to everybody. <laughs> oh, that's, so that's awesome. Thank you so much. I'm totally mom to mom Facebook page. That's there. And Instagram because I love Instagram. So oh. I and we will have the links to all that stuff in the show notes and thanks so much have a great day sue thanks pam all right bye bye thanks for listening i hope you found it helpful you might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast while you're there be sure to check out the tuck talks For six years, I hosted the Toronto Unschooling Conference. It was an amazing experience, and I loved meeting many wonderful unschooling families. Though I no longer host the conference, the unschooling insights shared by the amazing speakers over the years are timeless. You can listen to all 25 talks for free on my website at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash conference. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.